0: Welcome to the Seashore Church message of the week. This message is designed to bring more of heaven into your world today. For more resources like this, or to learn more about our church, visit seashorechurch.com. Can we do something before we do anything else? Can we just right now pray? Um, I want you to lift your voice. I want you to, if you if you have a um, spiritual language, pray in tongues. Um, uh, Jude. One, it's actually only one chapter, but Jude 1.20 says that when you pray in the Holy Spirit, you build yourself up in your most holy faith, right? So, and then also when we know, uh, we know often what to pray in English, but we don't always know what to pray in English. So that's when we pray in tongues, because when we pray in tongues, we pray the perfect will of God, amen? And so right now, just we're going to take a moment and lean in and just pray, all right? I want to hear you praying, like not me, like drown me out on the microphone, all right? We're praying, Maybe a life situation for you with a family or a friend or a coworker, or maybe it's the city, our city, our nation, nations, whatever it might be on your heart, really bring that to the Lord right now, right? He listens to it all and he answers our prayer. So really, like lean in and give it to him now. So come on, lift your voices, lift them, lift them loud, pray. Lift your voices, come on, pray fervently, pray fervently lift it come on let there be passion behind what you're praying pray like you know God answers your prayers come on thank you God thank you God thank you God you You are the God of heavens and you are the God of the earth. You created everything we can see and things we can't see. You are the king. You are ruler. You have all the power. You are supreme. It is your name that is lifted high over the nations. It is your name that's lifted high over our hearts. And we today again align with who you are and say you are our God and nothing and no one will get in between as you hold our lives so close and so tight. And God, we thank you. You are good. We thank you because you are good. You are good, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I, um, I, I had a hard time. I was talking to Clayton even last night, like, gosh, how do I start and what do I, how do I put into words some of the things that um, have been stirred on me for today? Um, and I actually had to say to Clayton, I kind of need your permission, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, in the 1950s, um, Mao was a man, a Chinese political leader. Um, the CCP party existed before he came to power, but he came to power in the probably late 40s and then in the late, late 40s and the early 50s. He started a, um, the youth revolt, the youth in the nation. He, he paid them. He got rioters to be in the streets and he paid for people to, uh, for, it happened over a couple of years, to destabilise the nation to ruin people's reputations. People who were good, solid people, doctors, nurses, educators, um, anybody of the intellectual class were pulled down and ruined, reputations ruined. And then eventually, the youth rioted so much, they started killing them in the streets and burning books in the streets and they destabilized China. And within a few years, they rolled the CCP over China and slapped down communism into China and the story, there's a story, I've told it a few times, I don't know that everybody here knows it though, um, I was reading a book on just the history of China and I was reading about an American family who went to China in the 40s and started working there, so he was one of, the, you know, a worker in China missionary and he partnered with another Chinese man and they built a church and the church was a very successful church pre-communism um, and so if he was there maybe for it's maybe 10 years, maybe a bit less, but he had his, the American had his wife and kids and it was in support of the Chinese pastor raising up Chinese local people, right? And the week that Mao rolled through China and took it over with the communism and slapped communism over the church, the Chinese pastor stood on his stage and invited the American pastor up and said to the church, we have to say goodbye to our friend who's built this with me, right? they're good friends, he's built this church with me and he had to say the whole of the church, the larger Chinese church said to the American husband and wife and their kids, we love you, we pray for you, we're blessing you and we're sending you back to America, right? It was a prayer moment to say thank you for all the work you've done but get out of here because they're going to kill you if you don't, right? China, CCP, communism, tyrannical government, this is the history of tyrannical government, they kill their own people, Right, and anybody who else who opposes them. So they the, the American the Chinese pastor stands on the stage then after praying for the Ch- the American family and saying, Goodbye, we love you, thank you. He stood on the stage and then he started addressing the Chinese people in his congregation. <laughs> and he goes He goes, sorry. He goes, This has happened because you've been asleep. This has happened on our watch because we weren't praying. This has happened on the church's watch in China because we were asleep. And 70 70 years now of CCP control in that nation and they have they've killed hundreds of, like 100 million of their own and including the Uyghurs, a people group who are Muslim people group, right? But the killing off... It's a radical genocide happening in China right now against this Uyghur minority Muslim group. It is evil to the core. It's communism itself is worse than atheism. It is based in satanic occult. Karl Marx was a Satanist. He's got a book, Oh My Dear Satan, and he talks about him. Now, uh, this morning I was sent, um, I'm going to cry all through this message and I'm not even sorry because I'm so broken over the church. I'm so broken over the church's weak response, weak, need, sleepy response to what's happening in the world right now. Right now in Australia, almost 100% of the churches are closed. Closed and have been for more than a year. And it's as my as my country, Right? Closed for no reason than the government circus that is happening right now. And people have believed the lies and the propaganda. Propaganda is lie after lie. And if you have a thousand of them coming at you every day from every different direction from news and social media and friends and your bosses telling you to get a vaccine and every kind of piece of propaganda lie, that is going to start to affect your worldview. And that is what's happened here and in the rest of the the world. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a German in the 1930s. If you read his, uh, get his um, biography, Eric Metaxas wrote a biography about him and it's phenomenal. Get it. It's a big read but you'll read it fast. It's good. He said, he said, he talks about the same way in Germany, the destabilisation for a few years before Hitler rolled through and was able to get his control, right? It's just a a couple of years of just destabilise, 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 rioting, um, pitting people against each other. I'm vaccinated, you're not vaccinated, we can't talk. You're wearing a mask, I'm not wearing a mask, we can't be friends. My own family in Australia won't even talk to me now. Who said that? Oh, two people raised their hands, and I know there's other people in the room too. So... And it's the wrong division. So when the Chinese pastor goes, this happened on our watch. That was 10 years ago. I read that story of the Chinese missionary with the American missionary 10 years ago. But the Lord was saying to me then, it's happening here. Watch out. So, I better read some scripture. (laughs) So, wipe the tears away so I can. (laughs) Um, I'm actually going to start in Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. I'm in the NIV. It's the church of um, Laodicea which was a city, right, um, so to the angel of the church in Laodicea, write these words, right, these are the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation, it's Jesus, okay, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of all of God's creation, that's Jesus, so these are the words of Jesus, that's why, by the way, if you have one of those Bibles that's in red, in Revelation, it's because they're just, that's direct words of Jesus, 15, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind and naked. And that's the American church on, as a whole. Not everyone, not every single individual understand. I'm like this is not criticism of like individuals, or even some churches are really very passionately awake and on fire, right? I've, I'm just speaking very generally, very broadly. Certainly, the Chinese pastor, when he looked across his own congregation saying "This has happened on our watch, could feel or sense something like this going on, right? You are wretched, poor, pitiful, blind, and naked. Verse eighteen: I counsel you, counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, so you can become rich, and white clothes to wear, so you can cover your sim, your shameful nakedness, and salve to put on your eyes, so that you can see. In Laodicea, it was a city that had a medical, like like a brand new at the time, right? Medical medical development. It was they did eye surgeries in Laodicea, so the. Here they're using I-self to saying, you are worshipping medicine. I I encourage you to get real I-self, which is my spiritual saying. Jesus was saying that to them, right? Anyway. Verse 19, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they will eat with me. I stand at the door and knock. He's speaking to Christians. He's speaking to believers and he's still saying, I stand at the door and knock. I'm at the door knocking. Like we go, well, that, that must be for unchristian, like the non-Christian, I haven't let Jesus in yet. A lot of Christians haven't let Jesus in yet. (laughs) Like they're like, yeah, my door's open, but you're not, don't come in. Just stay right there. I'll look at you through the doorway. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. To the one who is victorious. I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So, so here is the thing: if you can read through those churches because you can find we can ourselves, right? It's not pointing fingers at other people. It's myself. We can find pieces of ourselves in those portions of Scripture, and it's good because it's good heart check. So this is the hot cold Laodicean Laodicean church were lukewarm, like lukewarm, putrid, spit you out of my mouth, I can't tolerate this. Laodicea didn't have its own water source, and it was a kind of a poisoned water source that they had to pipe in, and so the water itself was this tepid, really gross, and tasted of vile. Um, um, the water sat through a lot of pipes and been piped from a long distance and was in the city, so 2,000 years ago, the plumbing is not that great, so it was just had the taste of gross They didn't have the metals that we have today and the hygiene that we have today and the sanitation. So the water itself had this putrid, warm, been riding in these pipes from the sun, sitting in the middle of a city that was gross and didn't taste good, right? Now, here's the thing though, really what this is about. I wish that you were hot or that you were cold. The Laodiceans were also full of idolatry. I already just mentioned to you that they had like a somewhat, not a hospital like we know it, right? We, we have very, obviously, obviously not a hospital like we know it, but they still had clinics. They still had medical people who would try and do things and work things and use um, herbs and every kind of thing like that. But the, they, had, they had an eye hospital, ophthalmology. They even used that word, but just in the Greek in a different way. So they had an eye hospital, and it was a city known for it. And Jesus is saying, get real eye self which is a way to say, I am who you need that will fix your eyesight. It, now, I'm fi- now it's figurative, right? We're speaking in a spiritual sense. I am who you need who will fix your eyesight. The eye salve you need is get rid of the idol of medicine. It's get rid of the idol of the science. I'm not saying they're bad things. I appreciate science. I appreciate medicine. I've had three surgeries to have my babies, C-sections. I appreciate it. But when it becomes idolatry like it is today in many people's lives, we now have Australia on full lockdown. People can't go anywhere without their cell phone. They get put in jail if you go somewhere without your cell phone because everywhere you go, you have to check in. And so if you're at a store or a church, churches, if you are going to work, you have to check in with your phone. And they've made it illegal for you to be anywhere without your phone. It's only one step away because in China they do this, and if your phone goes dead, they send people from the government around to your house. Why is your phone dead? I read one story of a Chinese man who, who um, said, he, living in, in, in uh, Hong Kong actually, no, sorry, sorry, not Hong Kong, they are more free at the time, not so much now, outside, outside Hong Kong, mainland China. His phone, his phone, he was just looking for his charger, and it went flat for less than 15 minutes. By the time he got it stuck back in the wall, at within five more minutes after that, he'd already had his first phone call from the government. Why is your phone dead? Fifteen minutes after that, knock, 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 knock. Officials from the government. Why did your phone go die- dead? Why did your phone die? That's communism. The level of control that we am seeing in my country and my family are like, yes, keep me safe from Corona. Keep me safe from something that is a survival rate that is extremely high. I am not saying it's not a virus. It is a virus. It's real. I know people that have had it. But there are many therapeutics that are proven to work, 100% ivermectin. There's been studies that have proven to work against it. And those, they're banned. And instead, they're rolling out their vaccine to say, get the vaccine. The two things are a bioweapon. I said last week, I know it annoyed some people. I don't want to put shame on people. Here's the thing. It's not about shame. But I won't back off saying something because I'm afraid someone will get ashamed by it when I know other people are dying from it. The vaccine is a bioweapon. The coronavirus itself is now publicly in Congress. We have scientists testifying, saying it was developed and paid for by American taxpayers' money. It's a bioweapon. They are only two tools. They are not the enemy themselves. They're tools. Psychological warfare is a much greater tool. Fear is the weapon of psychological warfare. That is a much worse tool than the vaccine or the coronavirus put together because more people in Australia want to be locked down and are happy with their telephones checking in every time they want to go buy a coffee. Yes, locate me. Government, track me. Please, keep me safe. These are lies. These are lies. I'm going to read something. Uh, so the, the lockdown here happened March 16 or 17. 17 is the Sunday. 17 was the Sunday, or 16 and 17, the Sunday and the Monday. Monday we locked down. Sunday we got locked out of our old building. So so we had to literally like scramble fest to try and find someone's backyard big enough that we could run church in because we got locked out of our old building because they shut down every one of their buildings afraid of COVID. Sorry, Saturday night. Sorry, we're locking you out of our buildings. We're closing all of them across the state. We're afraid. So you can't have your building venue. So, okay, whatever. We were renters. They kicked us out. The next day is when we had a service in someone's backyard we just told we told as many people as we could please just bring a beach chair or a, a like soccer you know you, a chair that you're going to use when you're at a soccer field folding chair whatever they're called I still I still missed it lawn. lawn chair a lawn chair we don't use the word lawn like that in Australia that's why it's never in my head <laughs> so so we just said, okay, just and so we just had a service and we still had service. The next day, our state got locked down. The governor said, that's it, closing it, snap, closed everything. And we were like, without a building. So we're like, what do we do? <laughs> we just started daily Zoom meetings with everybody that we could. And within three weeks after that, the Holy Spirit just said to me, it's, t- it's enough. Now just start church on your front porch again. So Richard Leonis, thank you, champion. Richard, I was like, I knew he'd come, right? Richard, bring your base over. We'll set up on the front porch. And so we did. And we just had church on the front porch and started having communion. And I made the people have to come up close to me to get it. (laughs) I even said, I said, I said like, all right, it's just here. It's like three feet from me. If you want it. And it's all in one plate. It's shared. (laughs) And um, we had like, 15 or 20 people including neighbours across the street who got their own lawn chairs out but sat across the street and joined us. I was so happy. I was like yeah church again but for the next few weeks after that we just ended up having a few more house churches then finally by my birthday we had a night in our house. We had, I don't, I never counted how many people but we couldn't, I mean whoever's been to my house, it's a small house to begin with but we had people like shoulder to shoulder, it's like a Chinese prayer meeting if anybody ever pays any attention to the Chinese church right now because like, they did have beautiful buildings but now they're like in basements <laughs> so we were we were, um, um, we were uh, like shoulder to shoulder in my front room and then sideways down the hallway into the kitchen people on the back porch, people on the front porch <laughs> that was great, it was so good and, but from there we just started house church in different cities and uh, sorry different houses until we got the building here so we're grateful Um, but it was the Holy Spirit who said I will stop stop this nonsense he called it nonsense and he said he said I'll protect your church and he really has he really has so I'm really grateful and that's worth thanking him for by the way thank you Jesus you have protected us So the Sunday we get locked out of our building and we're like, you know, trying to find a place to meet. The Monday we get locked down. The Tuesday, I'm walking just because I walk when I when I go praying. I'm walking with the Lord and He does and He says this. He goes, um. Ah, this, this this actually stings. And when I say stings, I mean there's a brokenness in this. The Lord said this: Pastors are mobilizing, fearing membership and money loss. Church is not something you watch. It is not an event, church is relationship. And then he said this, churches who are more concerned about losing their membership and their money will not reopen after this. No one had, I had no idea, God did, but not, none of us, we did not know we would be now, we're now 19, this is 19 or 20 months into pandemic 19 or 20 months into this and there's still people walking around going yes please put a mask on me lock me in my house and keep me safe from a virus and many of them are christians who have traded what is supposed to be faith in jesus christ and understanding what he did on the cross the healing that we can have in him traded that stuff and mixed it allowed mixture in and have trusted so much in their political leaders because it's a political pandemic, it's not a medical pandemic, right? All right. So now I want to read to you Deuteronomy 6, 4 and 5. Now you'll know this, um, it's actually my favorite Bible verse, and it's Luke 10, 27, it's also in Matthew twenty two thirty four and in Deuteronomy 6, 4, 5, what I'm about to read. I'm starting in verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. So on the backside of the uh, revelation of uh, the verses that I read, I wish that you were just hot or cold, but don't be lukewarm. This verse is the call call to be passionately red-hot, on fire, in love with Jesus Christ, no holds barred, no compromise, nothing held back, right, all the hindrances are pulled away, I'm for him, and even if that means I die, I'm for him, that's what this means, here is the, it's an actually Hebrew word, Sema, S-E-M-A, we say Shema, it's just easier for us, you know, Language today to say the Shema. It means hear and obey. Hear and obey. Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. In Matthew 22 34, Jesus said of that verse, It's the greatest commandment. The second is like it, it's love your neighbor. But then he went on to say, All of the law and the prophets hang on the two commandments, which is love God and love your neighbor. Love God and love your neighbor, that's it, if we can get that right, we'll fulfill all of this, right, but here's what is really important to understand, what was happening when when Moses said that, it was the second generation of of Israel, Um, the first generation of the exodus had been killed off in the desert, and I say killed off, because they were rescued out of the desert, maybe you've seen the movies, Moses is splitting the water, people are running over, chariots are following them, Pharaoh's after them, water closes, Pharaoh's killed off, his army's killed off, decimated, and now the Israelites are free of Egypt and standing at Mount Sinai, right? But at Mount Sinai, God gives the Ten Commandments and within a very, very short time, they're worshipping a golden calf. They'd come out of Egypt, this is the first generation, they'd come out of Egypt, which was a place of, of, of lots of gods, Lots and lots of different, like Ra sun god is one of the top ones, but they just had lots of, lots of polytheistic and syncretistic um, worship of many gods, of many faiths, and, and it was just all okay, and all of it was accepted. Paganism was just accepted, all right? So God has them now between where they were rescued out of and not quite at the promised land, and he's saying, he gives the Ten Commandments, they worship a golden calf... And he goes, oh my gosh, what am I going to do with these people? Just a few months later, they're at the desert edge in a place called Kadesh. It's the wilderness of Paran or the desert of Paran. They're at Kadesh. They can, some of them, maybe the edge of them can see across to the promised land. And Moses is uh, saying, we're going to send some spies here over The 12 spies story, you can read it in Numbers 13 and 14. 13, he sends the spies, 14, they come back with a bad report and rebel against Moses. But this is what God said in 14. He said, I'm going to kill off everybody of that generation that didn't have faith in me, anybody who's over the age of 20, and I will take their children into the promised land. And then they spent the next 38 years wandering around the desert until that older generation who should have been the inheritors of the promise going into the prom- promised land they should have been the ones but because they rebelled from God and they allowed mixture and they allowed polytheistic syncretistic worship and they allowed a lot of idolatry and just lived with idolatry every single day completely unaware of it even because of all of that the Lord went I can't take these people into this new gen- this into the promised land I'll take their children so Deuteronomy, back to my verse, is the fifth book in the Bible, right? If you haven't if you have if you don't know, it's the fifth book. Deuteronomy is the end of the forty total years now. And and they're at the same place in Kadesh, Banea, looking across. Promised land is there. Mount Mount Horub is right next to them, which is where Moses died. They're looking across and, and and Moses is now saying, Hear Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. It's God saying, worship me alone. You're about to go into the promised land and there's lots of false gods. There is lots of syncretistic, polytheistic worship, false idol worship going on in that place. I rescued you from one place. Your parents couldn't get it out of you. I'm bringing you into the next place. Please, please, please understand I'm the one God. You've just seen me do incredible miracles, right? And, And you've been talking about it. I've fed you every single day in the desert. Your clothes didn't wear out type miracles like and so God is on the edge before he takes them in they get in to the promised land I think by verse chapter 7 or 8 they're already again in in idol worship I'm setting this up so that we can understand today and even Clayton's word right the Isaiah word what you read out of oh I did okay I should pay better attention (laughs) So what, what was happening was, what's happening now is it's the same. We just are full of mixture. We are full of, I've got to watch my four hours of TV, but pr- tr- ask me to pray for 20 minutes, nah, too hard. I'll watch my favorite football. I'll watch my favorite, I don't know, golf, whatever, movies, social media for five hours, scroll, 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 scroll. Worship Jesus. I'm too tired. I think I'll take a nap. I did one song, it's okay. And we haven't realized, we're just like that generation that walked up, out that had to be rescued out of a place of slavery and then the other generation that were taken into a new place of promised land, incredible blessing. America is a land of incredible blessing. Incredible blessing. I, I actually am really glad I live here. Clearly, I've been telling you about Australia right now. <laughs> so, I'd be in jail, I think. Anyway. <laughs> so, what is happening right now is a push for one world government. But behind the one world government, because government is not the thing really, government stands on the shoulders of a religion, behind the one world government is a push for one world religion. Today we can call it New Age. We we didn't call it that just just 200 years ago. It was called something else. Today we can call it New Age or even a global... I'm a global citizen. I'm a global citizen. I'm part of the global community. It's actually not a global community because there's way too many people for that to be a community. The... um, the, uh, the New Age, so in, in, actually in 1850s, two or three, a man called Cecil Rhodes was born and he is a man who really pushed in the, where well, he was young, well, not in the 50s, 60s, but in the 60s, late 60s, 80s, 90s, into the 1900s. He pushed for, um, um, they weren't even calling it New Age at that point or it was just brand new at the time. He pushed for, because he was a Satanist, he pushed for um, educators uh, he had he had lots of money. Actually, he's he's English-born, but he lived in Africa. Who's heard of the De Beers De Beers diamonds? So he made money off the backs of Amer- African slaves in the De Beers diamonds. So he was he was incredibly wealthy man, banker, Rothschild's friend. So Cecil Rhodes pushed for this, um, pushed for uh, the the this the New Age, and pushed for books to be written and pushed. There's a there's a company in New in New York called the Lucis Trust. Um, and they publish a lot of New Age writings. They used to be called the Lucifer Trust. But in the early 1900s, they're like, we think that's going to be unpopular. We'll change it <laughs> to the Lucis Trust. So, there's a woman that came along and her name is Alice Bailey and she ran that through America. And so, this man got people like Alice Bailey involved. And for the next 100 years until well, 120 years now, till we're here now, there has been a push through culture, an incredible push um, a decade after decade after decade as they just pull more people into this syncretistic new age. And so what it is, is it's an umbrella term for everything. So it doesn't matter what you are, what you believe, so long as you're okay with what I believe and everything else. And, and, and the, the, one of the main emphasis is to uh, neutralise any of the main distinctions between major religions, if they can neutralise that stuff, they can, they, can, they can dumb it down, like we've dumbed down Christianity. How many Christians read their Bible these days? Like big, biblical literacy right now in America is at all-time low, right? So dumb down, dumb down the religions, dumb down, just neutralize people being really radically on fire for Jesus included. And so, and so it was decades. In the 1970s, um, oh, forget this actress's name, really Anyway, she brought over a man who was, um, brought yoga to America, into the West, really, but America started here, popularized it, and their plan was, if we can popularize this and even get the Christians to do it, the Christians, when, when they tell them it's bad, the Christians will fight to keep it. They knew that in the 1970s, and they knew that if they can just get this syncretistic worship anything and it's okay, all faiths are okay and we can really dumb down the masses and make them completely oblivious to what we're rolling out to them, which is a one world religion removing any kind of individuality of especially the exclusivity that Jesus claims. Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus Christ and he claims that exclusivity and he at Jude, at, at the mountain of Horeb, right before they took, went into the promised land, the Father said it there. He, oh, hear, O oh Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. It was the first time in Scripture that it's recorded that there that was spoken that clearly, one, one God. And every other one of them are false imposters. and most of the time, if it's not just... Sometimes men can come up with ideas that spread like gangrene. <laughs> but most of the time, it is demons. It is demon ideology, and it is demons that produce and write a lot of the, the ideologies, and communism is one example, right? Demons push and push ideas through, through culture until it becomes really popular and normal. And even Christians go, well, it's normal. I'm just going to get behind this BLM thing. It just looks so right. Yes, I don't want them to be suppressed we don't want anybody to be oppressed or suppressed, right? So, so in our minds, we go, that looks good. I need to get behind it and not realize the people that started it, two of the three women, two of them are Satanists. Yeah, well, Satanist is worse than Marxist. <laughs> they go hand in hand, though, don't they? <laughs> so, so, yeah, they do the same thing, kill, steal, destroy. <laughs> so... so um, Edgar Casey, in our city, in, well, we're in Norfolk, in Virginia Beach, Edgar Cayce, he he's in the 1930s, I think he started that building, I don't know. Um, um, he rolled out that building and it's an education centre to educate people. And do you know that people come from all over America to get educated there? And it is, it is, it is full of demons. They go and get taught by demons. But, but, you know, the enemy can present as an angel of light, can't he? Scripture says that he can present as an angel of light. So, so they get taught all kinds of things, like open your third eye, higher consciousness, ascendant life. You're the ascendant one. This is esoteric. Esoteric just means secret knowledge. Gnosis, it's just a form of gnosis with a G on the front. Gnosis is silent. Gnosis was what the early Christians and the early church battled. It's the same thing. It just has a different name today. It is Jesus Christ, and the call upon our life is to follow him with everything we have, nothing hold back, nothing hold back, my very last breath given to him, and I'm willing for that, my very last breath, M- means I've got to move from Australia to America with one suitcase, because <laughs> he asked me to, but it's the, it's the willingness just to obey no matter what, the here, the hear, O Israel, your Lord is one, right, hear Come The Shema, hear and obey. The willingness to hear is the willingness to obey as well. My obedience, our collective obedience, is worship. Do you know that? When you obey the Lord, that is one part of your worship. It is one part of how you glorify and honor Him and raise Him up. And, and because you're saying, I don't even have my own opinion, I'm going to make your opinion my opinion. Your prerogative becomes the way I live my life, Right? That's what makes us different. And the world can't understand it. So communists have to slap it down and kill it. The Bible's banned in China. Catholic Pope let them rewrite it. Took out a lot of very important atonement. The atonement, right, is the linchpin of our faith. We have been atoned for by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. His spilt blood paid the price for me. They took it out. Make it Catholic. Sorry, oh, I slip. <laughs> I caught myself though. <laughs> well, it's the Catholic Pope that signed off on it twice. Um, they, they've taken out all of the important scriptures that, that that demarcate the Christian for other faiths, and so and so. I saw this week um, a video of um, someone arriving from America with a suitcase full of Bibles, giving them out to. to um, unbelie- um, to Chinese people these Chinese people were fighting to get a Bible climbing over each other to get into the suitcase to get their Bible because I don't think there was enough for everyone in the room like, and like think about that And who, you know, a lot of people in America just might have three or four of them sitting on a shelf and don't even open them you can buy them at Walmart they learnt the hard way didn't they? When they have watched their family members get locked up, jagged, like jagged out of their house, locked up, tortured, baked, right? Tortured, like mind-numbing torture, right? Because the devil is the, invention, the inventor of torture. Think about that. He exquisitely comes up with like exquisite ways to inflict pain on people. Torture methods, right? It's his game. They learnt the hard way. Family members killed and tossed in jail and every kind of thing because they were Christians. Let's not learn the hard way. Like we don't have to. We can learn from history. I'm going to give you something else that the Lord showed me. Um, oh, this is actually really great news. I actually don't think this is the end. I know a lot of people think it is, but I don't. I think we've got at least another 70, 80 years, maybe more. I don't know. Probably around 2013, the Lord told me, the generation, our kids raising up, my kids, your kids, will be the next, the second great generation. Because we had a first great generation. They were the people that rose up out of the ashes of last century's uh, Great Depression. Wars had happened. Depression, famine, and this generation rose and went, We are going to make America great again. That's worth it. We're going to have a generation of young people who are going to rise up and do the same thing. So, in March 17, 2020, so March 17, what I've got 16, I've written down 16 is the first day of the lockdown, so that was the Monday. So March 17 must have been Tuesday, right? This is what the Lord said. Someone can look it up if someone has has a calendar. Uh, This is what the Lord said to me, because I'm like, like everyone, what is going on? The whole world is just locked down. (laughs) instead Instead of having freak out moments, like it's all right, have a moment if you need to have a moment, right? But take it to the Lord, because he will speak to you and tell you and inform your heart of everything you need for your own life and safety and family's life and safety, but then also give you instructions and strategy on what to do and how to help all the people around about you, right? So this is what I did. I was just walking again with him and he said this. "Um, They think they... I'm going to bust out the deep state, right? They think... They think they've won, (laughs) I am going to use this, what they've planned. We sung that song, right? I'm going to use what they've planned, which is the virus. I'm going to use what they've planned to do my plan. And God said this, I'm going to reboot the nations. I'm going to retune, reboot, refocus, and restore everything that has been stolen and stripped away from people. I want people to remember me and my testimony I'm going to revive. I'm going to renew. I'm going to realign, recalibrate, and re- I want my people to redevote themselves to me, to recommit their hearts to me. Right? So that was two days into, one day or two days into the lockdown. And um, so every person has to make the choice, right? We all make a choice. Every day we make a choice <laughs> get up, and get teeth brushed, and get going. <laughs> but it's the same with our following of Jesus. Am I going to be the kind of person that is going to really lay down my life and love him with everything I have? Love the Lord God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. That's the Luke version because it's got the four, right? (laughs) Matthew's only got three. Matthew's the direct quote from the Deuteronomy quote, Matthew 22. The Luke 10 is my favorite one because it it adds the extra oomph. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. That means there's absolutely nothing in you held back from following him. There's absolutely nothing in you held back from loving him and pouring out your heart's perfume. It's one of my favorite, pour out your heart's perfume. It's the woman who had um, washed her, uh, sorry, broke her alabaster jar over the feet of Jesus in front of all of the religious leaders and she didn't care. And she broke her future, it was a future dowry, all she owned in the world was in the perfume and she busted it out on his feet. So she poured out her heart's perfume. And so that's the kind of love he's looking for from us. We would be the kind of people that would hold nothing back and not be concerned about our future because you know when we've given it to, our lives to him, our future's in his hands. Amen? Our future's in his hands whether we know that or not, (laughs) but we get the choice to go, yes, I agree and I align with that. I align my future with yours. I align my heart with yours. And the word says, seek first the kingdom of God and he'll add everything to you. Seeking first the kingdom of God is seeking first the heart of Jesus. That's it. It's not hard. We make this too hard. Christianity is really simple. It's follow Jesus no matter what (laughs) and love him with everything you have. That's it. And, and everything will get sorted out. <laughs> All Because the, there's a lot of mess in the Christian world. Clearly, Australian church is locked down. <laughs> a lot of mess, a lot of weak-kneed Christians. I don't want to go back there because I'll start crying again. Let's pray, huh? It's 12 o'clock. I'm going to ask you to send your feet. The Deuteronomy verses that I read were from one day. The whole book of Deuteronomy takes place on one day. And it's, just, he just, it's, a, it's a series of sermons that Moses gives to the people before they take, take the promised land. It's called the covenant renewal because he gave the covenant in Exodus, Exodus 19 and 20, and they're 40 years later, now they're, it's a new generation, and Moses is re, re reminding them of all the testimony and reminding them of all the things that God has done and calling them, the next generation, to re-covenant their heart, recommit their heart to the Lord and allow Him to really be their God, but really commit to full devotion, nothing held back. And so we're going to do that now, re-covenant with our King Jesus. Right, we have a new and a better covenant because now is ratified in the blood of Jesus. Right, we are born again by the Spirit of God, and we are completely new creation in Him. Okay, so we, it's a very different situation. Is now we're fully filled with the Holy Spirit and empowered to love and serve the way He wants us to. Apart from the failure that we can look back on those generations. Right, we don't have to go. Oh my gosh, I'm going to fail. We can go. I see their failure, but I see the testimony in the middle, which is Jesus Christ and what He's done for me, and and that's, that's all I need. I'm not leaning on my own strength anymore. I'm leaning on the God who's inside me because Jesus promised, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. And he fills us with himself and with the Holy Spirit is in us and on us, around us every day to enable us to get up and do everything God wants us to do. And the first thing is to love him with everything we are. So, we commit to you today, God. We covenant with you, the covenant-making God. And we say our lives are yours. Thank you, Jesus, because you gave your life for us. We reciprocate. We give our life back to you. We will lay anything and everything down so that you can be glorified and your name can be lifted high through our lives. Thank you for the invitation of friendship. Thank you for the invitation of a life in you that is full of great, great, Glorious things, but also hardship. But even in the hardship, you walk through it with us and you never leave us. And so, even in the moments when we might find it hard, you're there. But we thank you for this life. It's a victorious, overcoming, joy filled, peace filled life. And we, God, commit to you. We covenant with you today. You are our God, the one God, ruler of all the world, Jesus Christ. You are our King. If there's anybody in the room that is, um, maybe hasn't made the decision to follow the Lord Jesus, yourself, your, your own personal walk, maybe you come to church because you've been brought to church and there's maybe years of that, right? I am going to ask you right now, really give your life to Jesus now. I'm going to ask you to maybe raise your hand and let, you know, let me know if you're in the room because Jesus Christ is the reason for the whole world, everything, every piece of history that we can read about, Jesus is behind it. I am going to ask you this morning if there's anybody, and I can't see anybody's hands, so if you have raised it, please raise it again so I can see. All right. Well, Jesus, we do say, we do say to you, we do say to you, God, we love you, we love you. We love you and we're trusting you. We're trusting you in this season. No matter how furious or tumultuous we've got to walk through right now, I think it's going to be a little bit of that, no matter how furious this season gets right now, you're with us. And so we thank you that you're with us and you never leave us and you never forsake us. You are with us and you have a plan. And on the other side, it's going to be very beautiful and there's going to be a lot of reason for rejoicing. And so God, help us start to rejoice now. Help us start to be joy-filled now and walk with your peace now so that no matter what we walk through, because your joy in us is the breakthrough to get us to the other side. Help us be people who understand what it means to be fully filled with the Holy Spirit at every moment, the same way Jesus was. God, Moses said, you said you said to Joshua when Moses died, I will be with you, Joshua, like I was with Moses, filling him and giving him all of the strategy and the ability to lead millions of people. But God, you say of us, you'll be with us the way you were with Jesus. So we receive that, right? We receive that, Jesus. You're with us. You're with us. The way that you were with Jesus. Holy Spirit, rest on us. Rest on us. Fill us. Fill us. Rest on us and have your way in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more resources like this or to find information about our weekly services, visit seashorechurch.com.